Chapter Two of the Santa Claus Story Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Santa Claus Story Book by Unknown Cinderella or the Little Glass Slipper. There once lived near a great city a very worthy gentleman and his charming young wife. They had married for love and lived very happily together much more happily than some of their neighbors who were far more wealthy and when a baby girl was born who was the light of their eyes and the joy of their hearts they felt as if their home was a little heaven upon earth and however cold and dark the world might be out of doors there was always plenty of warmth and sunshine within but this state of things did not last long for the young mother fell ill of a fever and died when her child was too young to feel the loss of its kind parent the poor husband was at first almost distracted with grief and but for the presence of his dear little daughter would have been very lonely indeed her pretty ways and soft caresses had a soothing effect upon him and he felt that he had still something left to live for as time wore on he became quite cheerful once more and began to go into society and to think of marrying again his daughter needed a mother's care and his house was so large that it seemed very lonely with so few people in it unhappily the choice the gentleman made this time was not a good one for the lady he married was proud haughty and deceitful and had a most violent temper she was determined to have her own way and her good-natured husband let her do about as she pleased it was easier for him to put up with an evil than to find fault and perhaps bring on a quarrel unfortunately the new wife was a widow and she brought with her into the house two great rude girls who had been wisely kept out of sight until their mother was married and settled in her new home they were at least ten years older than the gentleman's daughter whose beauty and grace made them appear even more homely and awkward than they really were this made them jealous of the poor child and they did all that they could to make her life miserable and unhappy they teased and tormented her from morning till night and when she bore patiently with them she was anxious to win their love they made fun of her and were more disagreeable than ever the poor child made no complaint to her father for she knew that it would only add to his unhappiness and discomfort and if he interfered it would make matters worse it was not long before he fell violently ill medicines could not save him and he died so suddenly that the shock almost killed his poor little daughter who knew not how she could live without him after her dear father's death the haughty sisters were uglier than ever to the poor little girl they never invited her to share in their games or their sports or to join them in their walks or drives their mother encouraged them in this sort of treatment for she seemed to owe the poor child a grudge for being so much better looking than her own daughters it did not occur to her or to them that more than half their ill looks was owing to their ugly tempers it is no disgrace to be homely and pretty manners will hide all defects of face or form and enable us to win hosts of friends but the sisters as they grew up gave all their thoughts to dress and much of their time to dressmakers and milliners 
they and their mother were always dressed in the latest style and held their heads very high and would not condescend to speak to poor people the young girl who should have been treated as a daughter and sister was made to do all the dirty work of the house in this way they saved the wages of a servant that they might have more money to spend on clothes and finery she made the fires carried the water made the beds swept and dusted the rooms cooked the meals and was as busy as a bee from morning till night her one comfort was to sit in the chimney corner when her tasks were done and lose herself in a dream of bright fancies as she gazed on the glowing logs they were warm and friendly though every one else was cold and unkind as the kitchen was her parlor she was careful to keep it tidy and neat and was so often brushing up the hearth and sitting by the cinders that the sisters gave her the name of cinder wench or cinderella which is much prettier cinderella was never invited to sit in the parlor and had no clothes given her but such as were fit to work in she waited upon her sisters kindly helped them to dress and admired all their new clothes and longed just as any young girl would to see how fine a bird she would be in such fine feathers but the selfish creatures never even let her try on a bonnet or cloak for fear that cinderella might put on airs and refuse to be a kitchen drudge any longer sometimes when she was doing her best to please them they would speak harshly to her and be so spiteful and ugly that cinderella would go back to her dishwashing with tears in her eyes and her heart as heavy as a big lump of lead now some folks would have grown cross and hateful under such treatment as the poor girl received but as gold when put in the fire comes out more bright and beautiful so did cinderella shine with a light that made her face at times like that of an angel she was pure gold through and through one day the two sisters received an invitation to a grand ball to be given in honor of a prince who being the eldest son of the king was expected some day to succeed his father on the throne it was an honor to be invited to the palace and the note was eagerly read and promptly answered by the proud sisters go of course they would but what should they wear this ball was the event of the day nothing else was talked about dressmakers had more than they could do and the sisters were fortunate in having such a handy person about as cinderella they could not deny that she had good taste in dress and hard at work was she kept for at least three weeks preceding the ball meals were eaten in haste dishes were washed in a rattling hurry cinderella had to cut fit and sew and listen to all the talk about the ball who was to be there and what so-and-so was to wear without daring to make a remark or ask a single question when the day of the ball came oh then what a hurry and flurry there was nobody had any time to think of anything else the streets of the city were hung with flags and bands of music played from morning till night cinderella was up early for she had a world of work to do and there were some finishing touches to be put on the dresses the sisters were to wear cinderella felt a pride in having them look nice 
and saw that not a hairpin or a hook was out of place she arranged their hair in the latest style and while at this work one of the sisters said to her with a mocking smile don't you wish you were going to the ball cinderella indeed indeed i do exclaimed the poor child already in a fever of excitement a fine figure you would cut said the other and homelier sister better stay among the pots and pans that's the place for you cinderella bit her lip but said nothing though she had hard work to choke back the sobs that would keep rising to her throat the sisters drove to the ball in a fine carriage with coachman and footmen in livery and when they were gone the house was so quiet that had any one been listening they might have heard the rats playing in the cellar but cinderella was too busy with her own thoughts to think of rats now she could give vent to her tears and she sat on her favorite seat by the hearth thinking what a lonely life she led trying to imagine what a ball was like and wishing 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 hard that she was there in the midst of the light the flowers and the music as this wish rose from her heart cinderella looked up and saw a strange-looking old woman who seemed to have come into the room without opening either door or window her feet rested on a cloud and a bright light surrounded her in her hand she held a long wand cinderella scarcely knew whether she was asleep or awake the old woman drew near her and said in a kindly voice what is the matter dear child do you want to go to the ball oh indeed i do answered cinderella tears filling her eyes well be a good girl and do as i tell you and i'll send you off in fine style i am your fairy godmother bring me the largest pumpkin you can find cinderella was surprised but the fairy godmother seemed so much in earnest that the poor girl dared not disobey but ran at once to do as she was told as she carried the pumpkin through the garden she could not help smiling at the thought of the funny figure she would cut sitting on top of it and speeding through the air the fairy however touched the pumpkin with her wand and lo and behold in its place appeared a magnificent coach lined with satin and plush and fit for her royal highness to ride in that is good as far as it goes said the fairy but it won't go far without horses look in the mouse-trap my child and see if there is anything in it cinderella ran quickly to do her bidding and was delighted to find eight plump mice caught in the trap there they were poking their little noses through the bars and trying to get out and how they did squeal cinderella took care that not one of them should escape as she bore the trap in triumph to her godmother the fairy told her to raise the wire door that the mice might come out one by one as they did so a touch of the wand transformed them into handsome horses with arching necks shining manes and long tails and splendid harness all plated with gold it was enough to make one's eyes water just to look at them well my child said the fairy this is a fine turnout truly but there are the finishing touches to be put on go and see if there are any rats in the rat-trap cinderella ran with all haste and soon returned bearing the trap which had in it two rats of the very best quality 
one was bigger than the other and as he sprang out of the trap he was changed into a coachman and took his place on the box as orderly as you please the other rat was transformed into a footman and both were in splendid livery ornamented with gold but this was not all bring me six lizards said the fairy godmother you will find them behind the watering-pot in the garden the lizards were brought and at once transformed into pages whose duty it was to run alongside or ahead of the coach and announce its arrival these immediately sprang to their places and stood as if waiting further orders there cinderella exclaimed her godmother gazing with pride upon the equipage could anything be finer than that jump in and be off cinderella looked at her shabby clothes contrasting them with the splendor of the coach and shook her head sadly the godmother understood at once and said oh i see you think that dress is hardly fit to wear to a ball well we can easily remedy that my dressmaker is wonderfully skilful and i will fit you out in short order saying this she touched cinderella with her wand and immediately the old clothes fell off the young girl and she stood arrayed in a beautiful dress that shone like cloth of gold jewels sparkled here and there on her hands at her throat and on her waist and to crown all the fairy brought a pair of lovely glass slippers that shone like diamonds for cinderella to put on how dressed up one feels in a pretty pair of shoes the godmother paused a while to admire cinderella in her new attire and then she said i have but one charge to give you my child leave the ballroom at twelve o'clock sharp if you remain a moment beyond that time your coach will become a pumpkin your coachman footman and horses rats and mice and your pages lizards your beautiful dress too will vanish away and leave you in the shabby clothes of a kitchen drudge cinderella promised to be punctual for twelve o'clock seemed to her a late hour but then she had never been to a ball there was a great stir at the palace when the splendid carriage drove up and great was the interest displayed when cinderella alighted the lord high chamberlain himself escorted her to the ballroom and introduced her to the prince who immediately claimed her hand for the next dance cinderella was in a whirl of delight the envy and admiration of all the ladies and gentlemen the hours flew all too fast at supper cinderella was seated next her sisters and even conversed with them the kind condescension of so distinguished a stranger was very flattering to them and they were on their best behavior when the hands of the clock pointed to a quarter of twelve cinderella mindful of her godmother's injunction arose and hastened to her carriage the prince hurried after her expressed his regret that she must leave so soon and begged her to visit the palace the next evening when the festivities were to be continued he then returned to the ballroom but found the place very dull indeed now that the princess was not among the guests cinderella reached home in good time and was commended by her godmother who promised to look after her interests in the future soon a loud rap on the door announced the arrival of the sisters and cinderella made haste to let them in 
rubbing her eyes and yawning as if just awakened out of a sound sleep as soon as they entered the house they began to tell of the beautiful princess of the excitement she had created and the preference she had shown for their society when they said the princess was expected to be at the palace the next evening cinderella begged that they would lend her one of their cast-off dresses that she might go and see the wonderful beauty the sisters laughed her to scorn and the next day were uglier to her than ever finding fault when they had no occasion and striking her whenever they had a good chance i'll teach you to have better manners and to know your place the idea of you daring to ask for one of my dresses or to think of going to a ball take that and that said the younger sister who had the most violent temper and cinderella bore their hard treatment with a meekness that was really remarkable the next evening the sisters went again to the ball and cinderella made her appearance there shortly afterwards dressed even more splendidly than on the first night the prince had been watching for her and never left her side the whole evening the attentions he paid her would have turned the head of almost any young lady but cinderella received them all with a repose of manner that made the prince more charmed with her than ever but so happy was cinderella that she forgot to look at the clock or to listen for its warning chime and was greatly surprised when the first stroke of twelve rang upon her ear she sprang up in haste and ran from the ballroom as fast as she could never even waiting to curtsy to the guests or to say good-night to the devoted prince it was well she did so for at the last stroke of twelve the splendid carriage horses and all resumed their original forms her elegant clothes fell from her and she found herself clad once more in her old dingy working dress the prince started in pursuit but lost track of her in the midnight darkness in her flight however she dropped one of her glass slippers which the prince found and held to his heart as if it was a priceless treasure cinderella reached home panting and breathless in very different style from that in which she had left the first ball the prince in the meantime had made inquiries of the sentinels on guard both inside and outside the palace but none of them could tell him which way the princess went in fact the only person they had seen leaving in haste was a young girl poorly dressed who looked as if she might be a cinder-sweep cinderella had not long to wait for the return of her sisters for the ball had closed early as the prince was so dull and vexed she again met them rubbing her eyes and yawning wearily but managed to ask them if they had enjoyed themselves and if the beautiful princess had again made her appearance at the palace yes they said and more beautiful than ever but at twelve o'clock she suddenly started up and left the ballroom whereupon the prince seemed to lose all interest in everything and the guests soon departed the prince remained in a listless state for some time night and day he thought of the charming princess with whom he was madly in love and sought in many ways to find some trace of her he sent agents far and wide to search for her but nothing came of it at last a bright idea struck him he got up a proclamation which said the king's son will marry the lady who is able to wear the glass slipper which was dropped at the late ball then he sent out a herald with a trumpet to proclaim this wonderful news and great was the excitement it caused such a squeezing of feet as there was 
and such suffering from corns the herald had orders to stop at every house and every lady tried to put on the slipper but all in vain at last he came to the home of cinderella's sisters who endeavoured to put on the lovely glass slipper but it was too short for one and too narrow for the other and they were obliged to give it up cinderella who had been watching them eagerly stepped forward and asked if she might be permitted to try on the slipper the sisters exclaimed what impudence but the herald said his orders were to pass no lady by and cinderella put down her scrubbing brush and seated herself to try on the slipper there was no trouble getting it on it fitted her to a tee the sisters were speechless with amazement but imagine if you can their look of surprise when cinderella drew from her pocket the other glass slipper which she had carried about with her ever since that fateful night now the sisters could see in cinderella's face some resemblance to the princess who had taken so much notice of them at the ball and whose attentions they were so proud to receive how had it been brought about as if in answer to their thought the fairy godmother entered the room and the blushing maiden was transformed into the beautiful princess the herald set off at once to bear the joyful tidings to his master that the princess was found you may well believe that the sisters were sorry enough that they had treated cinderella so harshly and they supposed that now the tables were turned she would despise them and be glad of a chance to pay them back for their ill usage mortified and ashamed they went down on their knees and asked her forgiveness and cinderella bidding them rise begged them to think no more of the past or to fear her hatred she assured them that she should never forget that they were her sisters and would do all she could to add to their future happiness and prosperity a royal escort was sent to conduct cinderella to the palace and great was the joy of the prince at beholding her again she consented to become his wife and the wedding was conducted with regal pomp and splendor and there was no end to the congratulations and as for the wedding cake well there was no skimping there i can tell you the sisters were assigned the place of honor at the banquet and owing to cinderella's generosity were able to make a very fine appearance for among her wedding gifts was a large dowry from her godmother and as cinderella's happiness consisted in making others happy she did not hoard her wealth but spent it among the poor after settling a large sum on each of her sisters cinderella made hosts of friends and she and the prince lived happily together for many years and among all the treasures of the royal palace there was nothing quite so precious as cinderella's glass slipper End of chapter two